Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Don't Judge La. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about abortions. And joining us today, we have a very, very special guest named Farah from FYIKL. And she'll be sharing with us her experiences working in abortion clinics and her thoughts on abortions as well. Yeah, so guys, so if you want to find out more about FYIKL, please check out the Instagram. Yeah, guys, there's a lot of amazing things on the Instagram, so do check them out. So... Yeah, sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. By the way, guys, this episode is brought to you by Wonderleaf. Wonderleaf is home to the world's first unisex and stick-on condoms. So do check them out at www.wonderleaf.com and enjoy this podcast, guys. Bye. Because like even even all this reproductive health, uh, abortions, and everything, it's like yeah, it's it's you, you can talk about it, but different people have different angles on it. So rather than just fixing to to what what you think you know, it's good to connect mm-hmm. with other people yeah. and gain get their opinions and everything. Yeah, I mean this is also a conversation, especially in the feminist organizations, because I get where they they're coming from. Like yeah. a lot of the times, we always question like, who deserves more rights? Is it you know, mm-hmm. they say like the clump, uh, the clump of cells or people who are already alive? So this this it is quite a hard. Um, idea for day-to-day people to absorb because a lot of them you know put emotion um attach the emotion with their you know their pregnancy and stuff like that some people uh, are not so i think um personally what i can say is like people have their own their own right to choose people have their own um, idea of how they want to look at things and uh, yeah it's it's good that we have a discussion and conversation about it and um but i also understand the the how to say um the anger towards the people who are always saying like you know abortion is murder blah blah, blah because then again you know you can you, you can have the right to proceed with your pregnancy you can also have the right to terminate the pregnancy yeah. so if you don't have you don't give the same respect to people who continue the pregnancy to the people who want to terminate it's not an equal conversation that we're having so that's yeah. i think the, where the frustration stems from mm. yes yeah. definitely because mm-hmm. i think i think a lot of people is like they get distracted by anger i think anger is the key thing that it's uh, preventing us from really trying to work together to talk mm-hmm. about this because the, I, I feel like when people say they're pro-life or pro-choice it's also because they don't really understand what the person is going through because they're so caught up with I want to be yeah. right I am mm-hmm. right this is my opinion my opinion matters mm-hmm. they don't take the time to really reach out so for us it's we yeah, so, well, I mean it's actually very hard right talking about abortions and stuff because you're dealing with people's lives I think that's why it's mm-hmm. it's very sensitive. Like, why is it so hard for people to talk about abortions? I can tell from my own experience is how abortion is being portrayed in the media. That's the first the first time that um, I saw or you know heard of abortion, but it's in a very gory way. Like it's a it's an unsafe procedure um, that I can see. So. Um, that kind of instills fear and this is this this kind of is a domino effect from you know one view of abortion and it continues throughout your life if you're not unlearning and relearning things that is supposed to be learned so it then continue with you the stigma and also 
if you don't seek for the knowledge and information, you, you will always stick with your own opinion and you don't see different angles and perspectives. Um, so I think um, because, again, sexuality in general is a stigma, it's not just abortion, sexuality in general. So abortion is considered like the, the lowest of the low of the, in the conversation. So that's why it's really highly, highly stigmatized and people associate shame with abortion. And it, it kind of cut across religion, race, or beliefs, actually. Um, so unless we continue to you know, inform people, make people aware of what it, it is actually about, um, what is abortion, what is safe and unsafe abortion, why is it necessary for abortion to be legal and things like that. If we don't have that conversation, we're always stuck with our own opinion. And you know that opinion might kill someone who needs that really important procedure. So previously you mentioned that you were working in an abortion clinic, right? What was your experience there like? One thing that I can say about working in an abortion clinic is it's normal. It's like working at a clinic. So with that being said, um, we always have to view abortion services as an essential service that is needed for people because different people have different needs. And abortion services is one of the need for you know people um, in the reproductive age. It doesn't matter how old you are. It affects uh, people, you know, Underage, uh, underage individuals, people who are married. And interestingly enough, uh, a lot of the clients that came uh, were married. And that somehow kind of debunked one of the yeah. myths that always going around saying, you know, people who had abortion is always careless. People who are abortion who they are not, um, they make uh, really bad choices in life and things like that. So what did your family and friends think when they knew that you were working in an abortion clinic? Were they supportive? Oh, this actually goes way back even before I, you know, work in an abortion clinic. It's it's it goes way back to my time volunteering as a reproductive health advocate. And um at first um of course, like I, I had a conversation with my mom, and she's like, "Why, why are you doing this? Uh, you know, why are you yeah. advocating for this and that?" And then I'm just like, "Do you know, you know, the baby dumping rate in Malaysia is high, teenage pregnancies, blah blah blah, and the need to bring about awareness of reproductive health is very crucial. And I feel like that it's really in my bones. Like I really want to talk about this, and I really need this to be heard by a lot of people. Uh, and my father used to be a um, politician from a conservative um, party. Mm. So it's quite an interesting switch for me to go to, you know, yeah. like a very um, sensitive field, which is reproductive health. Uh, and I think um, because I had the, the difficult conversation I had when I was in uni and when I was working in an abortion clinic, my mom is already like understood what I'm there for. Mm. It's always about, you know, attending to people who are in need, people who have different needs, people who are there. Are, there are people who got molested, got, you know, raped by their own siblings. And I see it in my own eyes. And I feel like if I'm not here, who else is going to be here? 
the experiences that I have should be seen by a lot more people so that they are more understanding and more, True. you know, empathetic to to others. I think even for me as a guy, right? I think I can I can have so many opinions on this, so many opinions on this matter. But for me, it's like I would never go through what women have to go through if they're facing abortions and everything because I'm a guy. So it's very easy mm-hmm. for me to say, oh yeah. It's it's so easy or like um just just keep the baby lah you don't need, like it's so easy mm-hmm. for me these kind of opinions. The 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 term pro choice and pro life has divided people so yeah. much that they people don't have this kind of conversation about like why some people go through pregnancy yeah. why people terminate the pregnancies and mm. and it, everywhere in between got lost. Yeah. Uh, and also the 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 term that is used uh, in the paper last time was menstrual regulation. Which means that you want to get your menses back, you want to get your period back. Yeah. So you know the terms that is used. Yeah, it's not it's not yeah directly pengukuran and stuff like that. So. Okay. And actually, it, you can see you know when people are raising awareness about abortion, safe abortion specifically, they always use uh, the symbol, the hanger symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it was used before for an unsafe procedure, which mm. which leads to a lot of maternal death and yep. you know which you know a lot of lives that can be saved just by having uh, safe abortion procedures so with that i think we always have to think about um saving people's lives when it comes to safe abortion it's not just about when someone is at risk of being dead you know and then yep. we can perform abortion it's also about maintaining their mental and uh, physical health yeah and also like i think most of girls like all around the world they part of the reason why they choose to go for an unsafe abortion is because they especially for malaysia they don't really understand the laws on abortion here because yeah. I read the other day it said it said that abortion is only legal to save a woman's life and it's allowed to protect a woman's physical and mental health but in the case of like rape victims or incest it's it's not allowed so it's like really vague when when you say that mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to protect a woman's mental health but if she if she was like a victim of rape and if she wants to go through an abortion and that's not legal the penal code that talks about causing uh, an intentional miscarry which is um yeah ending your pregnancy basically is under the penal code 312 so basically this law is in place for people to get penalized if they you know cause any harm to a pregnant individuals that's basically what it is but then um after several years i think after independence and stuff like that um i'm going back again like about how the amendments were, were made and um in malaysia there's there's a lot of maternal mortality um or death during you know pregnancy uh, occurs uh, uh in malaysia so government take that as an issue and they amended the um legal code which stated that there's an exception to the the you know the the provision which says um the doc- a doctor who, a medical uh, medical practitioner that is registered under the medical act 
um, can uh, you know terminate the pregnancy with the consent of the woman in good faith um, if um, the doctor sees that there's a need in saving the life of the woman um, and also to protect the well-being of um, the individual in terms of mental and physical health and mm. end of quote so that is basically what the law mentioned so mm. if you see that even in the, in the international lens it is considered as progressive it's one of the progressive laws across um, you know asia pacific or in a global scale so it says that we only need a doctor and individual individual who wants to terminate the pregnancy um, and if the pregnancy can cause uh, you know disturbance in their well-being be it mental or physical health they can terminate it that that is how the law should be translated as the the most the most uh, misinformation that you've heard about safe abortion because abortion for example unsafe abortion can lead to death unsafe abortion which is not regulated which is not um you know safe it's not um hygienic that's unsafe abortion but safe abortion it's actually safe abortion in the first trimester is 14 times safer than giving birth oh okay i'm gonna repeat that yeah yeah safe (laughs) abortion safe abortion in the first trimester is 14 times safer than giving birth yeah so there's a lot of um information that you need to like acquire to advocate for this and for example they say if you had an abortion your fertility is going to be low that's wrong there's even a person who goes through 16 times safe abortion but this is not this is not how to say we don't condone this but there are people who go through 16 times um safe abortion but they still can get pregnant so there's a lot of also myths and you know things like that and uh, if you don't know the length of safe abortion sorry length of um, first trimester abortion surgical procedure usually if it's only the entire the entire time it's only the procedure of the doctor removing the um, uh, clumps uh, in your uterus only takes around five to ten minutes yeah I'm just asking this out of curiosity mm-hmm um how does safe abortion work and is it painful again like i can't speak of um other people because i didn't go through abortion myself but if they can um kind of say how it feels like it's still painful because it's like us getting cramps every month like a very painful cramps during our periods and that's how they say somehow how a safe abortion um, feels like. But, you know, we go through that pain and we have to acknowledge that it is painful. But yeah, with a lot of um, different clinics offer different, um, some, some, some clinics offer anesthesia, some hospitals actually, some clinics offer some painkillers. So there are procedures in going through the surgical abortion. There are some tools you need to be uh, taking, but that's all. Um, entire time is always under the um, care of a nurse and a doctor. But have you have you heard yeah. people? Because I I know like some people might say, oh, abortion. If you're doing like safe abortion, everything. What happens if people use it as a contraception? 
Like, have you heard stories of people just casually? I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to like say anything, but I know people will say this. Like, I, what if somebody uses it as a contraception? Because they say it's so safe. I think this, like, although it's safe, it's costly. Mm. <laughs> so uh, if it's you know being done in a private clinic, it is costly. So that's one mm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So there are there are people that does that but a lot of the time the doctor will ask like why usually if the abortion is repeated uh, the doctor always um asks whether you use contraceptive or not um whether um you know the reasons behind it but sometimes this is also something that needs to be talked about sometimes it's about um men wanting to see that they are um they are fertile they can they can make the bone pregnant and that's that's a sad reality it's it was it shouldn't be like that although it's like you know safe and things like that it's always should be you know under the um thought of making the woman safe making the you know well-being of the uh woman or individuals is you know um staying intact and it's not to prove something you know by other men or you know people who are not experiencing that so that's a conversation that we need to have um because also like i mentioned about you know the legal code which uh, which says there's only two person that should be in the conversation of abortion which is a doctor and the individual some doctors ask the individual whether they already consulted the partners hmm. I understand that there are people who who view that as a necessity if you're married or if you're not married but at the end of the day it's the person or the woman's choice and their their own body. So having a procedure or going through pregnancy it's always need to be their own choice. Uh it needs to be uh on their own conscience or conscience and it's not other people's choice to make whether or not they go through abortion yeah. how about how about how about so, okay. oh sorry uh, just just to, just to be clear for me to be clear as well like, how about mm-hmm. people who are under age under uh, under age mm-hmm. pregnancies and then uh, they bring their parents to the clinic and usually the parents will have to sit no the parents bring oh sorry sorry the parents <laughs> yeah yeah the parents bring them to the, the clinic thing. right and then usually mm-hmm. would the doctor ask the parent are you okay with this and then the parents say no i'm not Yeah, do do they need consent yeah, yeah. from the parents if they're under age? Mm. Yes. If it's 18 years old and below, they need consent from their parents or their guardian to go mm. through um abortion. Um for contraception is also the same thing if you if you would want to have contraceptions or you want to use contraceptions if you're under 18, you need to um uh have the parental consent. Um but for contraception I think some clinics uh I I'm not sure which but some clinics uses their this term called the Gillick law where the Gillick competen- competency law which is um having the minor to decide for themselves but it's only to I, I'm not sure if it's certain cases but I heard of doctors using this um gilly competency law to provide contraception without parental consent but for a safe abortion it's always needs parental consent mm, yeah okay. but is there like enough 
enough support for people who went through an abortion or for people who are planning to go through an abortion it's like post-abortion therapy a thing it is it should be a thing it should really be a thing um i believe for example in ram they have counselors that you know go through with you about what you need you know prior before um you uh, go to a clinic for abortion so there, there's a conversation happening there but sometimes people also opt for having you know therapy so it's not how to say it's not like you have to go through it it's just sometimes you have to reach out to get to it so yeah it is available and it's you can access it but sometimes i don't know like people they they don't want to talk about it sometimes sometimes also people they feel like lonely and they feel like they don't connect with the therapy so yeah so there's a different different you know people experiencing this but yeah the therapy is available post uh, abortion yeah abortion kit the hardest part is always reaching out because like going through abortion is already one thing mm-hmm. and imagine like after like seeking help f- from a therapist it's like it just adds on to the pressure that you might feel like discriminated or being labeled by people around you <clears throat> it's so sad yeah right. it, and sometimes people just want to talk about their story to other people. So last time when we had uh, um, a safe abortion exhibition, the Contemporary Art Safe Abortion Exhibition in 2019, um, we distributed a Google form which um, asked people if they're comfortable to share their stories in, in, you know, by by typing. So um, a lot of them actually says that like, this is really good because this is the first time that I talked to someone, although it's just a Google form, <laughs> talk to someone about my experience. Um, and it has been so lonely. It's just sometimes you just need a, a channel to, to, to say what you feel and not people saying anything back, you know? Mm. So yeah, we try, we try actually, we, we wanted to, to have a platform for people to share their stories, but uh, probably soon. Last time it was just for the art exhibition, but it's actually a good um, initiative to have a platform for people to tell their stories because a lot of the times it's really, really lonely. Abortion clinics is very accessible in cities, right? But I think it's quite hard to find them in like rural areas. So I can I can imagine like the the people who had to go through abort like thinking of. Planned pregnancies in, in rural areas is harder for them, right? Have have you guys have you ever go to like a kampong like very far off and like ask them what do you guys go through? Um so I think under Frams last time they had a research mm. on contraceptions, but um because again the stigma of abortion and the the wide um, shame that is surrounding topic. Um, probably that's why they didn't really take up the topic of abortion mm-hmm. for a friend specifically. I'm not sure. But um, for Ram, they had a research actually last year 
So they go through different clinics in uh, in different states. Um, so this is actually a research for the health providers on their attitude towards abortion. And of course, a lot of them, they have personal biases. There's yeah. always personal biases and also not understanding the law and always afraid of providing the service because of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, but my experience in working in the abortion clinic, I've heard a lot of you know, different stories from my colleagues, even people who are, came from Klantan or Johor because probably the provisions there, the state the state provision there is a bit strict. I, I'm not sure about that, but a lot of them travel from their home to get, you know, a hotel for like two, two days just to perform an abortion in the city. So it is really inaccessible, especially for people who doesn't have the money for people who are like live far away from the city so yeah it is really do, real do, do you think our younger generation do they were more open to to accepting abortions and talking about it um okay so we actually had a survey that we sent out last month uh so we actually we wanted to ask um young people but at the same time we want to see like okay if there's any people who are not within the age range that we want which is youth or you know adolescents and we kind of see how to say like a lot of people who are the percentage of people who are english speakers or in people who opt for the english language they a lot of them uh, empathize with people who uh, had safe abortion or in safe abortion in general um and actually a higher portion of them are in the 20s, like young, but we can't say specifically if they're actually inclined to support safe abortion or not, because it's just a survey, right? It's not a research or anything. But I can say that a lot of the younger generations have more information and are educated about the um, situation and about the issues. So possibly because of that, they're more inclined to, to, you know, safe abortion. Um, so we had a workshop that we uh, run for um, the, I think actors and actresses for our project. Um, so there are change of um, attitude or change of perception towards abortion once they have the knowledge or once there are conversation happening about safe abortion because they have to go through a, a, a whole day of workshop. So yeah, there is changes and people are saying, oh, I don't know. Um, before this, I don't know what it's actually about, but in general, they don't support abortion. But at the end of the day, they're like, I understand. So if people come to me and they need abortion, I would definitely help them. When before the workshop, they didn't say the same thing, you know? So it's always about, you know, accessibility to education, to information. So this is really rare for people who are not, you know, technically savvy, people who are not online. So how do we reach these people? These are the conversations that we need to have, especially, you know, for mm. the younger generation like us. Like, how do we reach out to them? Mm. Like, what about for you then? Before you, the, like, before the first day you work in the abortion clinic, right? Did your mm-hmm. perception change? Like, what, what was your perception going in and then coming out from it? So it's, um, it's difficult to say because 
I've been volunteering for a reproductive health organization for quite some time and mm -hmm. my um, perception of abortion changes during that time and not change during the time that I work in the safe abortion okay. clinic. But what I can say is more of um, uh, the reaction of people who gets the abortion and people, basically people's behavior when they get, uh, you know, um, go to safe abortion clinic. It's really varied. It's not mm. people who are just sad and yep. it's not just that. It's some people who knows their rights and they know they can get safe abortion. They're happily married. There are a couple who came. They're like a rock star. They just like, you know, <laughs> there's the Malay couple who came. Mm. Both of them are like rock stars. And, you know, um, the, the, the husband came and, you know, wait for the wife and then they went back. Um, uh, after the abortion procedure and these are the life experiences that I didn't capture when I was attending workshops I was always thinking about oh how it's a very sad it's a very sad you know moment for a lot of people but again it it's it, it's a variety of people that you're gonna meet and people go through abortion for different reasons and you know different emotions are there so that's what one thing that really changes after that. I'm like, you know, I can be feeling a certain way if I get an abortion, but you can't say the same with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I guess mm -hmm. it's true. Like, cause I think the moment you hear the word abortion, I mean, the even the word itself, abort, people will be like, <gasps> like and then especially yeah. when you talk about the like the the iron hanger, I think I think I think it's already implanted because mind where they say, oh, you're gonna put something in and then grab it. And then there's gory and everything. And then I guess a lot of people are just not educated about safe the safer ways like pills. Like can you explain like how how does the pill work actually? For the safe abortion pill? Yeah. So in Malaysia actually <laughs> this is a very uh weird thing that mm. um safe abortion pill is not available in Malaysia. So it's only mm. surgical procedure. It's a lot of internal things happening in, I'm not sure which minister or, you know, okay. which agency is in charge of this. Um, but basically, um, if, you, if you opt for medical uh, abortion, there will be, um, I think, uh, pills that you need to take several times, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, and you have to, it's called self-managed abortion. So you take it and then you, you have to manage it like, you know, um, how long you bleed after that because even if you get um, abortion there are times that there's still bleeding going on like when you're in, on your period uh, so there are th these are the times that you need to manage your you know if the blood coming out uh, is um, a lot more than usual then, then you have to seek for uh, help after that uh, so yeah so this that's basically it. Like I think uh, several days of taking the pills and then manage your you know the bleeding coming out and stuff like that. But then again, it's not much available in Malaysia yeah. because of yeah because of licensing problems. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think most of the time when people like especially we talk about baby dumping and the more serious mm -hmm. issues of. A lot of that happens because people are very scared of actually going to the clinic because they know that the backlash that they will get. So do you think that if they were how's it more convenient, like we're talking about the, the over-the-counter uh, abortion mm -hmm. pills, yeah, 
So it's a bit more discreet. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there's a lot of there's a lot of recommendations that were made, um, you know, especially by Ram about um, at least, for example, if we're talking about medical abortion, at least allow the medical practitioners or the doctors in Malaysia to prescribe them with a medical abortion because now even that is not available. We only can get surgical procedure in Malaysia, but then there are some international hotlines that you can call that you can get that uh, the safe abortion pill um, from uh, REMS network. But then again, in Malaysia, it's not uh, available. So that has been going on for quite some time. There's always resistance. Like I said, why termination of pregnancy is not widely available in governmental facilities, especially for the people who are not married, people who are sexually active, but, you know, not in in any wedlock or, you know, um, any form of formal or official um, marriage. Um, so it's always the attitude of the health professional themselves, actually. They're the one who who can make the changes in the policies uh, that they implement. Um, but one thing is Ministry of Health has, actually I, I, was, I was doing uh, some reading about this just now. Uh, Ministry of Health has been um, publishing a guideline on um, how to, it's, it's basically a guideline for health professionals, how to deal with uh, young people that comes to the health facilities. So it, they want to make the clinic more youth friendly, more young people to access the services. But even then, that, that was in, I think, the recommendation was made in 2014. Uh, I'm not sure when it was implemented. Although that is, you know, being done in the Ministry of Health, teenage pregnancy and baby dumping is still high. Why? Because again, like we can assume that a lot of young people are not accessing these services and probably the same, the same reasons because of judgments, biases. Even if you go to the clinic, I really want to try this. If you go to the clinic and you're pregnant and then the first thing they will ask, why are you having sex out of marriage? (laughs) <laughs> and that is not supposed to be the question yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, should yeah. ask someone who's seeking yeah. help. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and these are the attitude and behavioral changes that needs to happen again especially in the health professional fraternity. Mm-hmm. And these are the urgent urgent changes that needs to be done. We can educate the younger generation. Yes, absolutely, but educate the younger medical professional, educate the young doctors, the young nurses to not have these kind of perceptions so that people come to you, you know, in, um, in what do you call that? With, with the confidence, yeah. uh, with the confidence of getting um, good health mm-hmm. services. And these are supposed to be their priority and not, yeah. you know. Like what you say is true. I think for us, it's also not just the health, edu- educating the healthcare People, but also educating our leaders, educating our politicians, because at the end of the day, they are the one passing the law. So if they are not Correct. educated enough or aware, of course they're gonna be. And then you're like, I think, I think, it's safe to say lah, like, uh, our politics can be quite conservative, in a mm-hmm. sense. Like no matter how much the opposition or the government try to be liberal, they will always, they will be always be very scared because they say, oh, I want people to vote for me, so I have to. 
go back on yeah. this. And it's very sad because, yeah, they are passing the laws. And I mean, honestly, right, the sad thing about this is that we can talk about this, we can educate a lot of people, but if our leaders are not educated, if our leaders are not willing to be in, have an open mind, it's, I think for me, it's very hard for us to move mm-hmm. forward because it's, it is working together. We have to work together right. with our leaders and our leaders have to work together with us to understand because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, the, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering how many of our politicians actually step into an abortion clinic before and actually go True. through a day in a life and seeing what's going on. True. I mean, or even just regular people. I think for me, mm-hmm. like I never, I never stepped into it. I never, I never been been there before. So for me, obviously, like mm-hmm. maybe some of my views might be skewed as, as well. But I think mm-hmm. it's very important that we, yeah, leaders have to be educated because I think most of the time when we're having this conversation, we're talking about the normal people, educating the normal people, educating the youth. But our leaders are so far away from. They're like mm-hmm. in their own bubble, so it's actually very sad. Yeah. Sometimes it's all about reputation and saving face. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's true. And also because of their personal biases as well. Because now, um, I can truly say, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure if people yeah. are listening to this and the politicians. You can come at me. <laughs> but there's none. How many there's none. Yeah, there's none of Malaysian politicians that I look up to that actually advocates for reproductive rights and health. Mm. None. Even if you mm. see the progressive ones, they're not. They have their own self biases when it comes to safe abortion. They have, mm. of course, they have their own beliefs and things like that. But it doesn't, it doesn't change if you continue the policies that suppress people from getting the essential services. It doesn't make you a lesser Muslim or lesser Christian. It, it yeah. makes you a better person. Just you know, yeah. taking care of other people who might not have the same needs yeah. as you have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah politicians it, out there. And it's very sad because I think I think, <laughs> I think a lot a lot to do with correct me also yeah correct me if I'm wrong also lah. But I think a lot to do with abortion is because people are not educated on safe sex as well, proper contraceptions like wearing condoms because it's such a taboo. And then if you realize right, I think even 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 our podcast our sexual health series it's all related. Talk about period poverty. Right. We're talking about um sex education in Malaysia, abortion. It's all related, and it boils down to education. It boils down to our, I think sex education. Yeah, our government they're not really pushing for all this, and it's affecting our lives. Honestly, that's why we feel like if it's it's it is a, a link where okay, if may, maybe if um people are more open to uh practicing safe sex. Maybe they might not even have to go through. I'm talking about people who are not who are not married lah, who who are having unplanned pregnancies. Maybe they don't have to go through that that trauma mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm. So if they if they can prevent it, then they won't have to go through it. That's why I feel it's very sad. Yeah, mm. yeah. It, it it boils down to again political will for you mm. to, you know, make sure that actually people get this essential services. In, government health facilities but so far there's none of them even about contraception even about you know conversation about um, unintended pregnancies a lot of the progressive ones also didn't um, address these issues because of their beliefs mm. but it's sad 
So yeah. now, like, I don't have anyone to look up to in Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I, I, yeah. I also, I also feel like it's may, maybe there are politicians who are very like, oh, I want to push for this, but honestly, deep down, they know that if I push for this, right, I'm risking my whole political mm. career. It's just gonna mm. end my. I career. think the only, the only, the only party that actually stands for people's justice is Party Socialist Malaya. So PSM has always talked about, you know, LGBT rights, about sexual reproductive health and rights and stuff like that. But then again, like, you know, the people in their party is not as much as or as influential as others. Yeah, okay. So let's say if you were the government of the day, but you also know that not all your citizens will accept your views. How will you approach it? Because if you want to do something good for your country, you have to work around it to kind of please the, the people who are opposing you as well, right? So how mm-hmm. would you approach it? Because I, I honestly feel like if if sometimes we, I feel like if we're too liberal, we're actually mm-hmm. pushing a lot more people away. If, if, you, get what, if you get what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I understand. Yeah. I think uh, one of the approaches that probably the littlest, the littlest details actually, changing the posters on, you know, asking people to go to these services, not by fear mongering it's by empathy by uh, welcoming them to the facilities and these are the small changes that can be made now not just when i'm the prime minister yeah yeah. (laughs) this can be yeah this can be changed now change you have to you have to have uh desensitization training for all the people who are in the ministry of women minister of health having this workshop or trainings provide them with the space for them to discuss and talk about their their worries or their you know biases and things like that they don't have this space now and i think with having this small changes it can it can helps with having the influence in changing the bigger policies because now ministry of health has has the policy of wanting to serve young people who are not married, young people who are pregnant and out of wedlock, they, they want to serve them. There is already a guideline, but why is it not working? It's because of this behavioral or attitude towards the issue of reproductive health. There's still judgments, um, you know. So there are possible changes, and then that can affect a bigger, bigger ones. Yeah. But also, I believe there are several um not relating to safe abortion it's about reproductive health about having the having the gender equality act by having that uh, law enacted in our uh, constitution um it can help with um you know different legal problems that can that will happen that might happen in the future so that it can be used so that if you know women and girls are facing certain problems they can use the law to to protect themselves you know to maybe you know get services or any other thing that relates to you know gender mm-hmm. injustices have you guys have any mm-hmm. received any ridicule from other people on what you're doing i'm not sure because of the algorithms um of the social media <clears throat> and because of our target population a lot of them we get a lot of people who support the the, the, the you know mm-hmm. advocacy uh, so that's a good thing but also a bad thing from our side because i feel like if we're not reaching the right people we are just reaching people who are in our circle Uh, we hope to have more 
it's not that we hope to have more backlash, but we hope to have more <laughs> audience that doesn't yeah. have the same opinion with us because yeah. we want to have the conversation. Yeah. yeah, and we hope to have that conversation soon. Hmm. Um, but so far, um, uh, under FYKL platform, there are people who commented saying abortion is murder and things like that, but we don't escalate this conversation. Usually yeah, we we'll just yeah, yeah. Uh, say that, you just say that, have you if, have you done the survey yet? But yeah. if you if you have, thank you so much. And that's mm-hmm. it. Because mm-hmm. our point is, at that point, at the time, the post was about the survey. So we talk about mm-hmm. the survey. When it comes to talking about the certain issues, we talk about that issues. Yeah, I, I guess for us also, right, when we're talking about this, I guess we do put a pressure on ourselves saying that we want to change everybody. I think that's Ooh, very un- yeah, yeah. That, that's very. Uh, but I mean, like, yeah. I th- I, th- I think I think for for us going to this podcast as well, we're like, oh, we, w- we want to change the world and everything. We want like people to <laughs> then we, then then because I think me and Steph we, we we were talking about this and realized that we really cannot please everybody. And then like let's say if you are engaging these kind of people, their mm-hmm. views are already distorted. All you can do is say, okay, uh, educate me. Why why do you think what uh, educate me on your opinions? Mm. Rather, rather, rather than say come yeah. at me, bro, fight me, fight me, my penis. We had I, our I, first I, comment on Instagram, yeah. and we were in the we WhatsApp group. We were like, we, were like, oh, we got this comment. How we gonna reply? But yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think, I think at first we were like, oh no, what? Oh, we get, we're getting ridiculed. But after that, we didn't realize that okay, it's good. At least they're engaging yeah. us. At least they are looking yeah. at our posts and everything. And then, yes, then red, red, yeah, rather than us saying that, oh. You 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 you're just bad. This you're just biased, bigoted, and everything. Just say okay. Educate me on your views. I think that's a good word to use. Mm. Like I did, I think to summarize what we've been talking is that here there are steps for safe abortions, and I think before you get scared to dive into it, read about it or like this or try to understand. And also like if let's say if you are you know, I mean if you are pro life, um have a conversation with us or have a conversation with other people. Try to mm-hmm. learn more, and okay, and actually, if that doesn't change your opinion, then respect what what other people are gonna do. You have to know that everyone's going through different things yes, in yes, life. Yes. Mm-hmm. The main thing is to if even if you can't relate, try to empathize, and just be respectful of people's mm-hmm. decisions. Yeah, like right. you, you don't have to feel pressured to change your opinion. Yeah. Understand. Yeah, it's, understand. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, again, the, the the things that my friend Tensi always mentioned uh, about, and also other people who are around me, they always say that mm. when you when you deliver a certain message, your your goal or aim is not to change people's opinion. It's it's just to make people start to think. Yeah. When they start yes. to think, they are having a conversation with themselves. And they're having a conversation with their own biases. Once you have you start the conversation, it's always up to them to uh, seek more information, or they want to stop there. But your job is always to create that point of discussion and not to change anything. Okay, guys, we come to the end of this episode, and yeah, hope, we really hope that you enjoy this episode, and do let us know your thoughts on what you think on this subject on our YouTube. And also our Instagram, guys. Follow us. And yeah, catch us on another episode of Don't Judge Lah. This episode is brought to you by Wonderleaf. Wonderleaf is home to the world's first unisex and stick-on condoms. So do check them out at www.wonderleaf.com. And guys, see you for another episode of Don't Judge Lah. Bye.